0: We're in the midst of a series, House of Cards, building a home that lasts a lifetime. Last week, we addressed conflict resolution. Today, we are going to slay an elephant that's in many rooms, probably in your workplace. Could be your home. Could be a sibling. Could be a friend, a neighbor. Could be a co-worker. It's an issue that that all of us face. Some of us are in the very midst of it when it comes to the home. Some of us are directly affected by it because of this being a reality. Today we're going to address the topic of blended families. Making it great. Every single person in this room, in the link, and watching through internet is affected by it. Every single person in this room, in the link, and across the world has been impacted by it. We can't just dismiss and not acknowledge. And in part of making this house of cards, developing a home that can last forever, we need a tool bag. We need tools how to walk through this next step, this next newness that some of us find. And you're going to find me sharing from my heart today, I am a product of a blended family. I had a mom and dad that divorced. I found myself on the outside edges looking in with a new stepfather. And my hope is this, that you will agree as I can agree that there are consequences because of the sin that happened in this previous relationship. However... God's intent is not for us to dwell in that. God's intent is to bring beauty from the ashes. God's intent in marriage is, as you've heard me say hundreds of times, is to stay in the marriage that you're in until death parts you. However, some of us have found ourselves in a new marriage, New husband, new wife, and all of a sudden we have these new children that have been brought in, which we would call stepchildren. And often in the midst of this whole journey, their perspective and how they've been impacted by this often is left on the side burner until a problem surfaces down the road after you say, I do. I believe with all of my heart that the Bible is the tool to walk us through those times. I'm convinced today, too, if you are open, that you will allow yourselves to find a way to not only help, but walk through. There might be moments in this service that you find yourselves grieving. There might be moments in this service that you find yourself saying thanks for the good news from God's Word. There might be moments in this service where you realize the Spirit is telling you, I need to go and ask for forgiveness. All of us have been impacted. There's not a person that I'm speaking to right now that isn't directly impacted because of blended families. But the good news is this. It is possible, and God wants it to be something great. Grab your Bibles, and we'll begin with this foundational truth. And turn to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. And if you need a Bible, hold your hand up, and our ushers will be glad to put it in your hand. I believe that the church should be the vehicle to offer us the truth of God's word and to bring us hope and help with the challenges that we face. So here at Grace, we address real realities that the word gives us answers to. But when you find Isaiah chapter 61, I want you to stand and we're going to read verses 1 through 4. Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 4. Blended, making us great, taking the new pieces, the new children, the new step parents, mixing them together and by God's grace and our willingness to adhere to the Spirit's prompting, making it great. Let's read Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 4. Ready, read. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. For the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. You may have a seat. God's intent for broken countries, for broken nations, for broken families. For places where where havoc and devastation has taken place. His intent is for them to be renewed. For them to see the, the, the morning turned into joy. And as this text says here, God desires to bring beauty from the ashes of our lives so that he gets glory. And one of the very places is the institution of marriage. The institution of family that God has longed to see thrive instead of just survive. So I'm going to lay a foundation for you. I'm going to give you chances. to Maybe thought, I've never thought about that. Or... I am facing that, and that's why I see this. It'll be a chance for you to have add tools to your tool bag so that you can, by God's grace, take, blend it and make it great. I'll begin by saying this in regards to blended families. Not everyone is happy about this new family. It could be children that are finding themselves grafted in, it could be a mother-in-law, a father-in-law, a mother or a dad that now see this new st- person coming in that they're not happy about that. They, they Either they're still reeling from the effects of sin or a child coming in and recognizing, I have a new parent that I didn't have before. Remember, though, as the parent of these children that are reeling with this new venture, this new stepfather, this new stepfather, mother, while you have been anticipating this, while you're like, finally, God, finally you brought me this man of God. Finally, you brought me this man, this woman of God. And while you have spent countless hours asking God for this very person, and your heart knows this is the one of your dreams that you've been praying for, the opposite could be true of your children. Now, Sometimes we forget that. The very opposite could be true. They may be still reeling from the effects of separation from the previous situation that they were in, where mom and dad were intact. They may now see this new parent, this new stepfather, this new stepmother as an obstruction. As like the enemy As a barrier. And for that matter, they see you as someone that got in the way of this already relationship that you had. So while you're like, praise God from whom all blessings flow. There are children on the fringes that haven't got to where you're at right now. And it might take them months, if not years. So as you consider this next step. As you consider this leap. Make sure. That you take time to get on your knees and say, God, show me, God. Is this the time? Is this too quick? Should I just stay as a single parent? What should I do? Make sure you take in the full effect of uh, you're about to experience if you have children. That's why Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 5 reminds us, Get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget my words, or turn from them. Remember, too, this that often the kids did not have a major choice in choosing their new step-parent or step-siblings. And now their time is divided. They once received full attention from their parents. Now they feel like it's going to be split between new siblings and, for that matter, a new parent. Take that into consideration while you're saying, yes, yes. I can, I, can, I can put this behind me. I can put this former husband, this former wife behind me. Your children are now thinking, oh, no, I have to split my attention with these new stepsisters, these new stepbrothers that I've never known before. How is that going to work? Their love, it feels divided. They love dad. They love mom. Now there's a new dad or a new mom. I think that we can have the ability to walk through this next step if we lean upon God and we seek wisdom. Quite frankly, I have done a lot of study in this area because I am a product of that, and I have a real burden for broken and blended families. Here's someone that dealt with this same issue, speaking from firsthand experience regarding what it's like for kids. Just listen to this. What I did not know when Adam and I got married was that for children involved in a new step family, the wedding day signifies not something they have gained, but all they have lost. Think about that for a second. You're thinking, boy, I finally gained what I wanted. I finally have this wife. I finally, like, it's a plus for you. Your children, however, are looking at this as a minus. They're seeing this as something that they have lost. They've lost having their single parent all to themselves. They have lost the hope that their secret dream to have their parents back together again will ever come true. Older children may have lost their position as confidant and friend to the single parent. And have found themselves relegated back to the role of a child. Some of them have lost a home, a school, and old friends because of a geographical move. Many of them have lost their personal space because they now must share a bedroom with another sibling or a new step-sibling. On top of that, the happy new couple at least had the pleasure of choosing each other. The kids did not get to pick their new step-parent or give their opinion of the step-siblings who came with the new adult who would now share their home. To the kids, it can be a bum deal all the way around. The losses that children feel do not mean that the wedding should be called off or that the marriage cannot continue. It simply means that with the joy, there is also pain that needs to be recognized and worked through. While children feel their losses strongly, they are not far enough down life's path ...to recognize all the benefits of a stable step family. You can take heart in remembering and emphasizing... ...the many positives of the step family to yourself... ...and your probably pessimistic kids. Listen to me closely when I say this next statement. I speak from experience. Not only personally, but sitting with people. An attempt to mend the past. In an attempt to to deal with the shame that you're dealing with, maybe inappropriately from the devil or the guilt that you're dealing with, please don't try to make up and cover that pain or, or that unforgiveness potentially by spoiling the child. And what do I mean by that? Many of you will receive custody where your children will live with you. And maybe there's visitation rights, like every week or every two weeks. One of you will be the primarily, generally, let's it split, primarily the, the place where your children will live. That's the place that they will live and spend the majority of the time. Don't let guilt cause you to buy your child and give your child everything when they cry out when they come to visit you. I have seen this happen over and over again. A dad who is no longer there, or a mom who is no longer there, day in and day out, trying to find a way to to, to show this child and make up for this separation, basically buying their favor back. Let me just say, kids know this also. And they're not stupid. They will work that And they will find ways knowing that, hey, dad, hey, mom, you know, when I'm over there, this happens. And, you I miss you. And I'll be very careful to meet the emotional need and, and the spiritual need without a physical replacement. Possessions and toys will never fix their hearts. Favoritism will never fix their hearts. You now have... Two sets of kids in your home. You can't look at these kids and say, well, they're just baggage that came along. I loved her, but I didn't necessarily love them. They are now children that God has placed into your care. You should love them as you love your very own. Favoritism is a sin in the Bible. If you don't believe me, just listen to these scriptures. 1 Timothy 5, 21. I charge you, Paul said, in the sight of God. In Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and do nothing out of favoritism, nothing out of favoritism. James chapter 2 and verse 1 says, My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. If you do, it's sin. James chapter 2 and verse 9, but if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Remember this. You must somehow form a family that is Christ-centered and full of much wisdom and counsel from the Word of God. Remember to make sure you think through the child's lenses and their pain before you leap to the next relationship. Seriously consider the sense of abandonment that your children are facing. You see, just because you're not facing it and feeling it doesn't mean they are. I will guarantee you, I will guarantee you that they are dealing with some form of abandonment. And until you address that, they will take that into that next relationship and it will play itself out through rebellion, through closing down, Through anger and you're wondering, what did I do? You must address the sense of abandonment that they are dealing with. You have come to the end of lonely nights and singleness. And you now have a partner to care for you, a marriage partner. Yet they have lost that single, undivided attention that they once received. Secondly... Be ready for the emotional disconnect that will take place. And this happens at the most inopportune times. You've had your best day with your husband and your new wife or your new husband. You're at the high pinnacle point. It's like, man, this thing is really working. Praise God for his grace. Praise God for the way he's working this out. You are feeling really good about this new step in life you've got the visitation down and it seems like everything's working well it seems like you're making headway in this new step in life and then out of nowhere you get a phone call and it goes something like this because your children are staying with their parent or step-parent and it goes something like this mom she is ruining my life and she won't let me do anything you do And in that moment, you have a decision to make how you will respond to that. Or you're putting your five-year-old stepson down for bedtime. He begins to sniff and whimper, you're the new stepfather in this relationship. And he says these words, I want my daddy. I want my daddy back. I want my daddy. You see, if you don't address that emotional disconnect, prior to saying yes, then you will find yourselves with broken kids, damaged kids in ways that they could never ever fix outside of God's grace. I always encourage counseling with the kids and counseling way before you ever step into that next relationship. You must prepare them. It's your responsibility for the next step. Don't assume that they are where you are at emotionally, Spiritually and physically, with this new step, you have a chance to tenderly address the pain. Maybe by saying something like this It's gonna be okay, buddy. It's gonna be okay. And with God's help, let's pray about it. It's in the moment, as the father, the stepfather, where you tenderly take this child and you say, God, I'm in a place I've never been before. God, I need your help. God, I love my son, not stepson. I love my son. I pray that he would feel connected to you and to me. Please, God, do for him what I can't do for him in this moment. And let me tell you, God will answer that prayer. You see, it's in times like these that you begin to say, okay. It's in times like these where the enemy comes in and says, why would you take that step? Why'd you do that? You should, have just, you should have just done this. You should have done that. And it's in that moment where he wants to bring shame and guilt. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. And it's in that moment where the accuser who stands kneels before God every day and accuses us, it's in that moment where he begins to speak these voices and you can shut them down and say, there is now therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. You see, even this is a heart wrenching time for you. Because if you have kids from a previous marriage, too, you might be wondering in that moment if that is what they go through when they go to his house or her house. Take the little new guy, take the new child, take the new son, the new daughter. And pour into their love language. I can't overstress this. It's your responsibility to do this as a parent. One of the things that Ann and I have done by God's grace, and it's helped our children to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. At a very early stage, we found out their love languages. Listen, there are thousands of tools out there to make this happen. We found out what their love languages were at the earliest age possible. Why? Why? Because when you find out the love language of your child, and by the way, every single one of our children has a different primary love language. And so we feed that love language. It is your responsibility if you truly love this child that God has placed into your care to find out what their love language is and to begin pouring into that love language. And it probably won't be what you're son is that you had prior to this marriage. It probably won't be what your daughters were, and you could be missing their love language. Let them begin to see that you really care about them. Love them and let them know that they are not some baggage that came with the marriage deal. Work as hard at loving them as you possibly can. One of the very things that my stepfather did for me, he spoke my love language now listen, for me, 47 years ago, divorce wasn't as common in the schools. And so as I would sit in my first grade and second grade and third grade class, and we would have parent day, I didn't even know what to say. Like, I didn't know how to introduce my stepfather. I call my stepfather Andy in an endearing way. I didn't even know how to introduce him They would bring in parents, and they would come in. And and, and so people would say, this is my mom, this is my mom, and this is my dad. I would say, this is my dad, and this is my Andy. It didn't even like, I didn't even know how. You see, you got to process that. That's what a kid is dealing with. You must be thinking about that way before you say, I do, again. Prepare yourselves for those steps. Let me say this, too. Satan will be working overtime in these emotional disconnect times. He will be quick to point out how you really messed up this little guy's life. Let me also say this. Don't hide your children from other people. Like, don't be ashamed. Don't let shame, don't let shame say, hey, this is my son. And that people don't. Don't be afraid to and to people that are near and dear to you to say, you know what? This is from my first marriage. Some people are afraid. They're worried about what people will say about them. Listen, if you're in this to find approval from man, then you got it all wrong. It only matters what God thinks. I can tell you over and over again in my relationship growing up, 40 plus years ago, my mom and stepfather actually received a letter in the mail. From someone that was condemning them in the church. Basically told them that God hates divorce. And they told my mom and my stepdad that they were going to hell. Listen to me. Don't be that judgmental person. Romans 2 tells us that the measure that you judge someone, God's going to judge you. This is your chance on the edges to walk in and to help others walk through this time. Satan will do anything he can to drive a wedge in this new marriage. Plus, he'll work overtime to bring shame and guilt upon you. Here are the facts. Straight up facts. The second marriage normally doesn't make it past the second or third year. That's straight up facts. Well, I got good news. With Jesus Christ, you can make it until you breathe your last breath. You see, if we begin to believe facts of the world and we begin to walk into this marriage and think, well, I hope we make it to the three-year mark. You are in trouble from the get-go. Don't add to that statistic. Remind yourself that you will make this work, and with God's help, it will be better than the first time around. Besides, you don't have a choice. There's a no trade clause in this marriage. So speak right now to every person that's married in this room the person that you're married to right now, God's will for you is to stay married to that person until you breathe your last breath. Did you hear me? That's God's intent for your marriage. God is the master, we saw in Isaiah 61, 1 through 4, at making beautiful things come from the ashes. True facts. Statistics show us it takes five to seven years for a new step-family to, to actually begin to gel. Now, you might not like that information. The reality is this. It takes five to seven years for that new marriage and the stepchildren and the family to gel. And I would encourage you with some of these tips. Don't force your affection on your new children. Find a neutral party that can speak into their lives during this transition time. Be an encourager and a positive spirited person. And don't say this, boy, if you were my kids, I'd tell you what I'd do to you when they are your kids. You see, when you got married to this next person and these precious children came, they're your kids. They're not his kids and her kids, they're your kids. And when you speak exclusively to only your, and you don't bring your kids in, a child knows that and it'll be an emotional disconnect and rebellion is on the horizon. Listen, it was your choice to say, now you're my kids. Don't say his kids, her kids. It's your kids. Love them like you would love your very own blood children. Give your children input to make family decisions. Pray with your new children. And remind yourselves of some of these truths, because you'll need to. Psalm 34, 18 says this, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. When you don't think it's possible, when you wonder if your children will ever find healing, remember, God is close to the brokenhearted remember this from Psalm seven three. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Anybody grateful for that? That's what our God can do. I would also encourage you this as you step into this next step of life. You must build new family memories because here's what happens if all you talk about is when you were married before and you used to do this and you used to do it with your children that were there and you talk about all the vacations that you had and all these fun times that you did and all you speak about is the past and you don't create new ones with your new children together, then there will always be a divide between us and them. Listen, it's not us and them. It's blended. It is we. And you are the adult. You are the one that can lead that new venture in life. remember, too, that God is a God of second chances. Keep Jesus at the center. Plus, your children need to see what a healthy family looks like to help prepare them for their future marriages. I can't overstress that one. See, here's one of the beautiful things that God did for my journey. God took brokenness, and he took this divorce that happened when I was five years old, 47-plus years ago. He took this divorce, and he brought this man into my life that became my stepfather, who loved me unconditionally, who even to this day calls me his son. He also took my dad, who was lost at the time, unsaved, and brought him to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ when I turned 18 years old. And so God took what should have been brokenness, what should have been just, I should be all messed up. I'm messed up, but I should be a lot more messed up. And he took this, this, this ash situation. And now I have, I have a father and a stepfather that love Jesus Christ, and they both tell me, I am proud of you, son. You see... That's what's possible with God. And even more so, your children need to see that, that they need to see a healthy model. Like for me, now my kids, when Pappy Brown, they call him Pappy Skins because he's a Redskin fan. And, and, and Pappy Andy, when they see them and they see mom, they see health and they have two grand I mean they got two grandfathers and, and then Ann's dad they have three grandfathers that love them they don't see brokenness they see they see healing and wholeness and the picture that they have is so very different than what mine was initially and that is beautiful please give them something And because they did that, you know what I was able to do? I walked into this marriage, this phenomenal woman of God, in, And I brought in what I saw my dad, what I saw my stepfather and my mom do. I saw this next marriage. I see my stepfather even to this day at 80 plus years old, showing me how to love his wife. He gave me a story of restoration and hope. I don't have a story of brokenness. I have a story of a father that loved Jesus and and a stepdad that loved Jesus and a mom that loved Jesus. And now that was the model. It could have been a mess, but they said, no, by God's grace, we can make something beautiful out of this. And so I took that example into my marriage with Ann. Build new memories for them. So you are now, in my case, it was the Brown and the Andersons. And we began building memories with Brown and Andersons. Look for ways to teach them as you go. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 to 9. Tell them how God is revealing himself in your transition time. Keep Jesus at the center. Anonize foundational truth for raising our kids. We're not perfect. Just ask their kids. They'll tell you. But our foundation people say... What is the tool that you use, Jim, for raising your kids? I use, we use Deuteronomy chapter six, teaching them as you go along the way. Oppress upon them hearts the truths of God's word. Let them know to love the Lord of God with all your hearts. And so constantly throughout the years, we just stop and say, you see how God worked that out? I mean, since they've been little, we've tried to connect God to life and pressing on their hearts the truth of God's word. You see, because you did this, God did that. It's not like our intentionality is it just spontaneously happens as we walk through life. It's not like we're taking five hours every day for this and 16 hours for that. And and It's like as we go along the way, it means 24-7 teaching them how God connects to their life. I tell you. You know why it works? Because God said to do it that way. Look for ways to teach him as you go. Plus, your children need to see what a healthy model looks like to prepare them for their future marriages. My mom was a master at doing this. I didn't even recognize it as a young kid, but she regularly told us as children that, hey, you're not second class. Hey, just because you, I have a different name now than you are, we are one. And my dad never, ever, I can tell you, in the 40-some years that my dad has been divorced from my mom and my mom remarried, I have never heard one time from my blood father, Charles James Brown Sr., I'm a junior. I have never heard him, never heard him speak disparagingly about my mom. Never. 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 Don't pit the parent against the child. I even remember one year when I was nine years old in baseball. I played baseball the whole way through. It was one of my favorite sports, that and basketball. I can remember one year I was nine years old. You know who my two coaches were? (laughs) My stepfather and my father. Listen, the only way that happened is because they saw that they both loved me. And they knew that there's no way that one was better. They should pit me against him or pit me against him. They worked together and they made it work. And so I saw unity instead of disunity. Find ways to build this new team without tearing down the original team. You've heard me say that, but if you haven't heard the chant, maybe you're 1%. This 1% might be the person who walked in for the first time today. My mom even taught us a new name. Like, this is the new family. And we would ride in our country Squire station wagon, and she taught us a chant to kind of solidify this, what I'm talking about. And so we would drive along, we would yell at the top of our lungs. Like she taught us this, she made it up. Rain, hail, lightning, thunder, the Browns and the Andersons will never go under. Never, never, never. And we would sing that and yell that in the car. It was like, and I, it, 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 what she was doing, I didn't even realize, she was making the Browns and the Andersons one. And that instilled unusual confidence in a young elementary age boy, and three incredible sisters, and then a half brother, and then a step brother. You see, I never looked at my half brother, or my step brother, as step or half. You know, people would say, "Tell me about your brother." Well, let me tell my brother. I, you know, and be quite frank. This just being maybe it's because I was so young, and I. I never even knew he was my half-brother. Like, I didn't even know that terminology. He was just my brother. You know why? Because mom and my stepdad loved him and loved me the same. I believe in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, in verses 3 and 4, that the things we go through where we're confident from God, we in turn can go and comfort others with it. I believe that my journey, because I walk through this, makes me a stronger man today. Some of you really need to nail down building these new memories. Make them memorable and positive. Take time, just enjoy your kids. Don't see them as baggage that came along with this woman that you love, but you'll, you would endure or put up with these kids. Don't do that either, wives and moms. What your children need is some form of normalcy. In many cases, we forget they're kids. And we need to remind ourselves that they're struggling too with this whole blended thing. Build some new memories. Fill your household with laughter instead of seriousness too. Plus, love their mom and love their dad. The best thing that a stepfather can do for his stepchildren in this new situation that he's in, is show him, show his kids how he loves their mom. Listen, we don't have any choices in this. These are commandments from God. This is just Christian obedience. And to do otherwise, hear me, it's sin. You can dress it up however you want, you can create a story however you want. If you don't love your wife and love their mom, it's sin. That's why there's continual trouble in a relationship. The lo- next tip I would give you is this. You are the one who should act like an adult in this transition. Work hard at this. Put closure to your first marriage. The person you are now married to is your new husband or wife. Listen, listen, hear me. Don't share intimate details of your marriage with your ex-spouse. Did you hear me? Don't go to him and say, I'm having this trouble with him. What should I do? Listen, There was a bond that took place because of that prior marriage. And the moment you open up and try to renew and get hope, that emotional bond could be reconnected. Listen, don't do it. The second you do it, the enemy will step in and give a foothold of sin and trouble to this relationship. Yes, talk often about the kids with him or her. But have nothing in detail about your struggles and reasons you can't get along with your new husband or wife. You are playing with fire. Don't ever say to your new husband or your new wife these words. Well, my first husband would do that for me. Well, my first wife did that for me. Let me ask you, great, do you really think that's motivating him or her to do anything? Some of you might be reeling from anger towards your former spouse. For the sake of the present marriage and for the sake of your children and stepchildren, get a grip on your anger or you will drive a huge wall into your present relationship with your kids and your new wife or new husband. I would say this. Fix you before you leap into the next relationship or the same you will wreck the next one. Did you hear me? fix you, or before you leap into the next relationship, or this, because the same you will wreck the next one. Don't think that somehow I'm just getting rid of that mess, getting rid of it, Boy, if I could just, like, get rid of it, and I'm just going to, something new, where's something? Oh, there's new. Everything's going to be better. I can tell you what will happen. You will be at the very same place, because the you that was there is right here, too, and she's going to say, what in the world just happened? Fix you. And you know who fixes you? Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4:26 to 27 says, Don't give the devil a foothold. And there are way too many front doors that have the devil with his foot in the door. And you wonder why, why is my family in such a wreck? Because you didn't deal with this anger. You didn't deal with this sin. You didn't repent. There wasn't reconciliation before you walked into this next relationship. And what you did, the devil came and you tried to shut the front door of this new relationship and his foot's in the door. And know that? He came in the garage door too. You didn't shut it. Now the front door's open, the side door's open. And he even came out back, the sliding door came open. He stuck his foot in because you haven't dealt with your sin. And so you wonder, how come this is happening? Because you gave the devil entrance. Listen, dads, the new dads, the new fathers, you are the gatekeeper. You are supposed to say, not on my watch. Remember this, divorce doesn't make your former spouse go away. You will still see them every other weekend or sooner. Do your best to be kind and compassionate to each other. Even if you don't get that reciprocated to you. You can only control you. You can't control what they do or say. You are responsible for you. And when you stand before Jesus at the Bema seat and he looks at you, they're not standing there with you. You're standing alone. Your kids must see what forgiveness looks like. See, here's the deal whether you want to believe this or not, they still love mommy and daddy. They don't see mommy and daddy as exes. Like, you see them as exes. They don't wake up one day and say, that's my ex-daddy or that's my ex-mom. It's still their mommy and daddy. Please, please, for the calls of peace and the calls of Christ, please look through the lenses of your kids instead of your sinful lenses. Work hard at conflict resolution. We talked about that last week. Don't put your children in the middle of this by making them decide. You're the adult. Now here, I'm going to say something that might hurt a little bit, but that's pretty normal for me. But it's very true. Here's what happens in some cases. Well, he won't give the child support that he's supposed to give. She won't give the child support she's supposed to give. And so you know what you do? You tell them, well, you're not going to see the kids then until you give child support. And so what you've done is you've used the kid as a pawn to get what you want. Listen, it's not their fault. You send them over there. They need mommy and Daddy. Don't dare put your children as a pawn in this relationship. That is called manipulation, and that is called sin. You see, that's not their ex-mommy. That's not their ex-daddy. That's their daddy and mommy. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 12 and verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I'm not saying it's easy, and you don't like me for what I just said. Listen, it's not easy, but you're the adult. And give each other some grace in this new marriage. This is your chance to show your kids how to deal with differences and conflict in a godly way. Center your family on Jesus Christ and his word. And lastly, I would say this. Trust God to do his part. Like, it would be hopeless, like if you and I, and we just try to do it all ourselves, it would be hopeless to take these two families and blend them together with all the differences and all, all, all the issues and all the dropping off and all the, the weekend visits and all the, the support, child support, and, and, and all the, the, the problems that were brought in. It, it would be difficult dealing with the consequences of the sin from your past. And it would be difficult if it was just like us trying to figure it out. But my Bible says, with God, all things are possible, This is your time to stand on the promises of God that say, My God can do immeasurably more than I ask or imagine. You see, I'm that kid. I'm that kid. That was a product of a divorce. I'm that kid. That was a product of a remarriage. I'm that kid that has a stepfather and a daddy. And I'm stinking proud of it. It's possible. But you must do your part and trust God to do his. Jesus, help us today. God, I pray that we would set aside our sin and our pride and the need to be right. I pray, Holy Spirit, that even for, for those that find themselves in this situation, that you would give them unusual discernment that they've never had before. I pray, Jesus, that there would be breakthrough and I pray for, for health and I pray for beauty to come from the ashes. I pray for oneness instead of X's and and I pray that stepchildren would feel like children and stepdads would be dads and stepmoms would be moms. I pray against favoritism and I pray, God, that there would be these houses of light that are showing these precious children what a healthy family looks like centered upon Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, do a mighty work. And help us on the fringes who love to cast bombs and lob bombs and stare and judgment and condemnation. Help us to help them. Thanks, God. With you, all things are possible. And so I close out this message with the assurance of your promise that you can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. And we're asking, God, and we're believing.